Well, good morning and, and uh, welcome again to New Hope Community Church meeting here at the, uh, at the facility that will soon be known as St. Hilda's Episcopal Church. New Hope uh, is privileged to be here, and I have to say, of, of all the people who have worked very hard to get us to the place where we're able to be here today, none has worked harder than Joe Miller. Um, <laughs> Joe, uh, Joe has not only coordinated our move from uh, Stone Chapel in Pikesville, uh, he's coordinated the work of getting us set up here. Uh, and uh, he's been one of the uh, fearless people even who, who went underneath the floor of this building and uh, uh, ran, ran cable last week. Um, no reports of any bodies found, but we'll see <laughs> what else might, might uh, turn up. Um, and and Joe, uh, Joe's, Joe preached this phenomenal sermon back uh, on December 20th. So if you go to the website, all the old sermons are are there, and I'd encourage you to check it out. Um, very much on my mind as I thought about this series. The, the title of this series uh, actually is inspired by the story that's depicted in that uh, round window up top there. Um, in the center, and it's kind of hard to see in the picture on your bulletin, but uh, there's somebody praying, and uh, around it is the Hebrew, Daber Adonai Tishomea Abdecha, which means speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Now, this comes, of course, from the story in 1 Samuel. You remember this? Samuel, the boy, uh, is brought to the temple to serve the Lord. And uh, as he was ministering before uh, Yahweh under Eli, who was the priest, um, back in those days, the word of Yahweh was rare. There were not many visions. And one night... Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. And the lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the tent of Yahweh where the ark of God was. And then Yahweh called Samuel, and Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli, and he said, Here I am, you called me. And Eli said, I didn't call you. Go back and lie down. So he went and laid down, and then again Yahweh called Samuel. Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call you. Go back and lie down. Now, Samuel did not yet know Yahweh, but he probably knew Eli pretty well by this point and was a little concerned about what might happen next time he woke him up. So Yahweh called Samuel a third time. Samuel got up, went to Eli and said, Here I am, uh, you called me. And Eli realized that Yahweh was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, go and lie down. And if he calls you again, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Samuel went. He lay down in his place. And Yahweh came and stood there calling as at the other time, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. It's a fundamental disposition. To be on your knees saying to God, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. It's very different from standing with your arms crossed and saying, speak, Lord, and I'll think about it. It's an attitude that recognizes that there is God and there is not God. And we fall into the not God category. And in Joe's sermon a couple weeks ago, 
he talked about his experience of, of coming to the, the point he's at now where he is now working in ministry and about the, the long journey that God took him on to, to get him to that place and the many ways that, that God had prepared him, even in ways he wasn't expecting. Uh, reminded me of when I was considering a, a call to ministry and frustrated at the time it was taking and the, the, the journey that God had, was dragging me on. And I remember I, I was reading in Psalm 25, and, and I was just slapped across the face by this verse. Who then is the man that fears Yahweh? He will instruct him in the way chosen for him. It doesn't say he's going to tell you what the way chosen for you is. It doesn't say he's going to give you a road map ahead of time. It doesn't say he is going to seek your permission for all of the steps along the journey. It says he will instruct him in the way chosen for him. In other words, he will do what he's going to do to prepare you for the work that he's calling you to. Or as Joe put it, I invited you to get on the roller coaster. I didn't tell you to design it. That reminded me of the sermon that I preached on Christmas Eve where we talked about the fact that God, when he acts, is always, always providing an element of surprise. Have you noticed that? Whenever God steps in and speaks or when he acts, when he calls somebody to something, there's always that, huh, quality on the part of the people, even people who know him well. They're always surprised. Jesus' disciples walking around with him for, for three years were constantly perplexed at the things that he was saying and doing. There's always a sense of God not doing the things we would expect him to do. But at the same time, even as there is this sense of discontinuity, even as there's this sense of, of separation from what we would have expected, there's also continuity because God's never operating out of his character. That is to say, he's always operating out of his character, but he's never operating out of character. When God speaks, when God calls, when God does something that's unexpected, it's always consistent with, with who he is. And the challenge then for his people is whether they want to listen and cooperate or whether they want to go their own way. In chapter 16 of Acts, our text for today, we find Paul and his companions traveling throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia. This is modern-day Turkey. Having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. So they had been planning to preach throughout Asia, and the Spirit had other plans. So they were submissive to those. And when they came to the border of Mysia, which is in northwestern Turkey, they tried to enter Bithynia. They tried to turn east to Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to do that. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas, to Troy. And during the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and, and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. And after Paul had seen the vision, he got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach 
the gospel to them. There's a fascinating word there in the Greek, sumbibazantin, which means we decided together. We were reckoning together. We were considering together, concluding together. It's not just one person saying, okay, this is the way we're going. It was this community of followers of Jesus doing his work, coming together and hearing together from the Spirit. We do a lot of things together here at New Hope. We have chili cook-offs, which I won. (laughs) Hence the necklace. I did not do anything untoward to earn this. We live our lives together in community, and we serve one another, and we take care of each other's kids, and we bring each other meals when folks are sick, or visit people in the hospital and and in jail, and and, and we study the word together, and we pray together, and, and I can tell you that as the leadership of New Hope, when we get together, we try to hear together from the Spirit as to what he's calling us to do, and quite often that involves a significant element of surprise, and it always involves continuity with who God is and the story that he's writing through us, but I can tell you that we seek to hear together from him what he would have us to do. We discern in community, and that doesn't always mean we get it right, you know. When we started out New Hope, back in 2003, we met in a movie theater, and we were deeply concerned when we met in this movie theater, because it's a theater that had nine screens, it's now been taken down and turned into a body shop, but, but at the time, we were meeting in a theater that had nine screens, and the biggest screen in the place only held 350 people, and according to our projections, we were going to blow through that in about eight months. But we figured it would work temporarily while we figured something else out. Well, eight months later, we had moved to the smallest screen in that theater, which held 90 and still felt empty sometimes. We thought God was calling us to plant this big church. We thought that moving to Owings Mills, where there was all this new construction and all these new families who were there, we we figured they were just waiting for a church like ours to show up. And so... We spent a lot of money hosting events and sending out mailings and letters to people who had just moved there. We figured it would, you know, if we we put put the door open and we built it, that they would come, and they didn't. I think in our whole history, the number of people that were part of New Hope who lived in in Newtown, that place we thought was going to be the core of, of our body, probably could be counted on two hands. When we started out, we figured we would have a, a full complement of, of children's ministry. And so our youth, uh, our children's person spent a lot of time every week preparing curriculum for our elementary group. But most of the kids we had were under the age of three. So she'd put this work together and made all these plans and lined up people And then Nathan Hall would show up and feel a little silly because he was the only person for the elementary group. And (laughs) eh. So in all these cases, we thought we were following what God wanted us to do, and we tried it, and we tried it faithfully. And then 
we paid attention and learned, no, I guess not. Indeed, our history is one of repeated failure. And I think our attitude has been that if we're not failing on a regular basis, that means we're not trying very hard. Uh, that, that we're called to step out in faith and to do things that may not seem to make sense to us because God's calling us to them. And we have to have the courage to do those things and we have to have the courage to evaluate whether they work and we have to just have the courage if they didn't to say, okay, we tried, but that's not it. But the ultimate disposition, the fundamental disposition that that reflects, that we still hold, is that we are people who say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Ours is a disposition to be faithful to what God is calling us to. And I can tell you with 100% certainty, having been in the room at the time, that if 13 years ago you had told the ragtag group of folks that was the leadership team for New Hope, that we were going to be partnering with the Episcopalians to plant a church in Catonsville, we would have had absolutely no interest in cooperating with them. We would have run away from the idea with varying degrees of speed. We would have reacted to it with varying degrees of shock and disgust. It would not remotely have been on our radar. In fact, I can tell you, if we had known in 2003 that we were going to end up meeting in a Methodist church for 10 years, we would have really given that some serious thought as to whether that was something we could do. I mean, remember, we came from a church that met in a furniture warehouse, and it met there because it outgrew a prep school gym, which met there because it outgrew a middle school gym, which met there because it outgrew a living room in Timonium. For us to begin meeting in a movie theater seemed perfectly normal. We even took our offering in popcorn buckets. But throughout that time, I think we also had a willingness to keep our ears open, to keep our knees to the ground and our ears open to what God would have for us. And while he surprised us often, we also have not been surprised by the fact that he's constantly proven himself faithful. And we trust that he is doing that now as well. We don't know the future of New Hope. We don't know where we'll be in 10 years. We don't know what we'll look like. Although, if you look around at some of the old people here, that gives you a little bit of a sense. But here's what we do know. Here's what we know for sure. We know that God is on his throne. Amen? We know that God is on his throne. And we know that God is going to accomplish his purposes. We know that. We can have absolute confidence that God is powerful, that he is going to accomplish his purposes. And we know from the history of his dealings with his people that he, with the... the a humility that doesn't make sense to me, that he invites us to partner with him in doing the work that he's calling to do, call, that, that, that he's trying to get accomplished. We're going to be so much more efficient if he didn't use us. 
but he does. That's how he works. He works in and through his people. And so he calls his people to cooperate with him in accomplishing his sovereign purposes. We also know that the enemy prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he would devour. We know that we are on the winning side of the battle, but that the battle is not yet over. We know, we know from our own heart experience the ways in which we continue to be tripped up by the world, the flesh, and the devil. We know that that battle goes on within us individually, goes on within us in our church. We certainly see it on the streets around us. But we also know which team we're on. We know we are on the winning side of this battle. And we know that when we get down on our knees and we say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening, we are taking marching orders from the king, from the commander-in-chief, from the field general himself. And we know that if we patiently and humbly in community seek to discern what he's saying to us, we know that he will be faithful, not to give us the whole roadmap, not to lay out the next 30 years for us, but like headlights in the fog, at least to show us whether we're supposed to turn or go straight. And we do know from experience that the process of doing that is one that builds a strong and a healthy and a humble community. Let's pray. Lord God, as we ride this roller coaster that you have designed, we pray that we would screw up our courage to be faithful to what you call us to, that we would be courageous enough to follow, we would be courageous enough to be humble when we need to recognize that what we thought we were supposed to do isn't what we were supposed to do. We pray you would give us the courage to follow faithfully and to do that together. Give us the patience to hear the voice of your spirit in one another. We pray, Lord, that the fruit of this would be the edification of your church further incursion of your kingdom into enemy territory and the glory of your name in which we pray. Amen.